Y'all can be seated. I, you know, uh, Dan forgot where his mic was. I forgot where my Bible was, so I can't really say anything. Um, actually, somebody took it because I, I know it's surprising to y'all, but I went over the first service. Somebody, we got a clock down here and somebody tilted that baby and it, and I wasn't paying much attention. It looked like 1025, but it was 1035. So anyway, y'all might get extra today. All right. Isn't it an awesome thought to know that before time began, God knew your name. He knew what you were going to look like. He knew you were going to be here today. He knew we were going to be gathered together. Man, this, this being, I was reading last night in, in Revelation chapter four, and there's this, John gets, he gives these messages to the church. This is extra. This is not in the sermon, but this is just a, this is such a thought. But in, in Revelation four, John's called up to heaven by the angel and he sees this picture of the throne room of God. And there's just, and he begins to try to describe it. And he says, I, I saw the one seated on the throne. There is one being that's the creator and the sustainer, not just of the earth in which we live, but of the universe of which we're a part. And, you know, sometimes just go out on one of these beautiful uh, spring, winter, whatever you call them, winter or spring nights when it's clear and look up into the universe. And you, it's just beyond all that you can imagine. There's one being that sits on the throne that spoke all that into existence. And he knows my name and he knows your name. And he, from the moment you were born, he had his hand on your life. And that is such an awesome thing to know that the God of the universe loves you and me without condition. And he wants to speak into our life. And uh, I hope he speaks into your life and your heart this morning in such a way that we will share that story. You know, we talked about a couple weeks ago, seven out of ten people uh, in, in Wimberley, um, seven out of ten are separated from Christ, do not have a personal knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And if they die without Christ, they'll spend eternity in hell. They don't even realize, they don't even acknowledge that the God of the universe knows their name. And so we have a task before us. And I hope you've been paying attention the last two weeks. Uh, Kyle spoke last week about uh, living in 3D, about, uh, you know, developing friendships and you know, just ministering to people. And I hope you listened. And uh, by the way, Kyle, that was, it was very good stuff. Uh, you did a really good job sharing the story. And then we talked about walking across the room two weeks ago. And so this morning we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go a little bit further because I want you to be equipped to tell your story. And I'll say more about this in a little bit. But you need to be ready when the opportunity comes. And so I hope you're, I hope you're listening and I hope you're paying attention. I, I read this week about, I'll tell you this quick story. Three guys, there was a, and it's an interesting group because there was, there was a lawyer, there was a doctor, and there was a pastor. So that's quite a group anyway. But they decided they all like to deer hunt. So they went out together to go deer hunting. And so they get, they get there early in the morning and they're, they're walk, they hadn't even got to their stands yet. And it's probably an odd story because it was probably dark. But anyway, they hadn't got to their stands. A buck jumps out, big deer jumps out and you know, they all just throw up, boom, almost simultaneous and they shoot the deer. And, uh, he drops over and they go running up there and, 
you know, and the preacher's like, well, I shot him. And the doctor's like, well, you know what I can do with my hands? I'm a surgeon. It had to be me. You know, there was only one bullet hole. And so they begin to debate, well, who shot him? Who got him? And they, and it gets a little heated. You know, you get a lawyer and a preacher, you know. To, so it gets to going. And here comes the game warden. And he says, fellas, what's the ruckus? And they said, well, we, we all shot this deer and there's only one bullet hole. And we're trying to decide who killed him. And the game warden, so I say, yeah, I'll just go look at him and I'll be able to tell you. So he walks up, the deer comes back and says, the pastor shot him. Oh, I said, the pastor? So how do you know it was a preacher? And the game warden said, well, there was only one bullet hole. It went in one ear and out the other. So it had to be the preacher. You know, it had to be the pastor that shot him. What our hope is that what we've been talking about for the last two weeks, what we're going to talk about today and what we're going to cover next week, our hope is that it doesn't go in one ear and out the other because God has this marvelous story in plan for people's life and for their eternity. And he wants you and me to tell it and to share it. And so we really want to encourage you and to help you to be able to do that. And so I want us to look at a story if you... Uh, have your Bibles. I hope you're in Mark chapter 5. Uh, Mark chapter 5. Let me just kind of set this up and we'll read part of this um, story. Um, you remember Jesus and his disciples. They're traveling. They decide to go to this place called, uh, well, it's called Gennesaret. It's one of the, you know, and it, different translations of the Bible do different things. But it's it's the lake of Gennesaret, or, you know, it's near the area of the Gadarenes and, or the Gerasenes, however you want to pronounce that. Uh, but so they're, they're, Jesus and the disciples are going over. And when they arrive, there's this guy that he's way up in the distance, up on the hill, and he sees Jesus and he cries out, oh, son of man, what are you going to do with me? And this guy's demon, he's been demon possessed for, for quite a while. We don't know how long. But he had, you know, he had been, uh, I guess in jail, he had been put in bonds, in bondage. They had chained him like a criminal because he was out of his head. He was out of his mind. They couldn't contain him. He broke the shackles. He's living in the cemetery or he's, the Bible says he's in the tombs and, you know, he's out of his mind. He's unclothed. He's naked. The only really evidence, you know, is he's got these shackles on him. And so he's, this guy's been in, I mean, he's in bondage. And he's just really, really, uh, you know, just all messed up. And when he sees Jesus, the demons begin to speak. And said, oh, you know, son of man, what are you going to do with me? Now think about this. Even the demons recognize that Jesus is the Son of God. Half the people you and I meet probably don't even believe Jesus is God's Son. But the demons, when they saw him way off, said, oh my, here comes the Son of God. What is he going to do? And so they begin to, and so they, so they ask Jesus, Jesus, can, hey, can, can we go see the pig? Can we go to the pigs? 
And Jesus gives them permission to enter the herd of swine. There's about 2,000 hogs and, and the demons get going to the pigs and they run off into the, uh, run off the cliff into the ocean and, and they drown. And what happened was when that happens, the guys tending the, the pigs, they go to town and they say, man, you're not going to believe what just happened. And so the townspeople come out and when they come out, here's, here's this group of pigs in the lake. And here's this guy that they couldn't, he couldn't be dressed. He couldn't communicate. He couldn't even, they couldn't shackle him. And the Bible says, here he is, normal. Let's pick up the story right there in verse, I just want to read three verses in verse 18. And uh, notice here, it says, as Jesus uh, was getting into the boat, after he had, you know, after this had happened, this guy was seated in his right mind. It says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Let's pray together. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus this morning that that we would be able to grasp in our heart that the God of the universe knows our name and the God of the universe uh, who's spoken into our life and has worked in our life wants us to use our life to tell his story. And so, God, I pray this morning that you would speak clearly and boldly into our hearts and into our lives, and we'll give you honor, and we'll give you glory, and we'll give you praise uh, for all that we do. And we ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want to kind of set this up. By the way, for the PowerPoint, I've skipped over those first five slides. So uh, you can go past those uh, and get to point one, if you would, uh, luck it here in just a minute. But let, let me just kind of set this up again. Um, this guy's been changed. I mean, he, he's, I mean, his life has been jail, uh, mental institutions, separation, bondage. He's living in a cemetery. He didn't have a life. He didn't have a life. He meets Jesus. Jesus changes his life. And so what he wants to do is, I mean, none of those people wanted to be around him. And so he says, hey, I want to go get in the boat with Jesus. And so when Jesus gets ready to go, because they ask him to leave because he, he killed their pigs. They said, we don't want you here. Go. And so he goes to get in the boat and Jesus says, no. But, but I'm sure he was thinking, but Jesus, I want to be with you. We want to be around you. And Jesus said, no. I don't want you to be with me. I want you to be out there with people that don't know me. So often, listen to me, so often what you and me want to do is we want to come be with spiritual people. We want to come get in the holy huddle and stay with all our Christian friends. We want to get over here with our group, us four and no more. And we want to talk about the deep things of God. And we want to study the Bible. And we want to go to the, we want to get trained how to pray. And we want to do another Bible study. And we want to do another Bible study. And we want to go deep. And we want to get deeper and deeper and deeper. And we just want to be spiritual. 
And I'm sure that what he wants, he said, man, I just want to go with Jesus and the disciples. Man, I'd love to go and do that. And Jesus says, no, I want you to stay here in the Decapolis. And I want you to talk to people about what's happened to you. By the way, that word Decapolis, is, that's 10 cities. It's 10 cities. And so Jesus said, I want you to, I want you to hang around. Kind of like, you know, we got Wimberley and Kyle and San Marcus and Drippin and Fisher and, you know, uh, Spring Branch and, you know, all these little areas around. It's just like, no, I want you to stay here. I want you to stay in your place and I want you to, to tell your story. Now notice there in verse 18, I want you to under, underline a very important word. It says, go home to your family and tell them. Tell them. Tell them what Jesus has done for you. God desires for us to tell our story. To tell it. Now we would, we would much rather show it. I mean, what we would like, what you would like and what I would like, what we're comfortable with is we would like for people to look at our life and go, man, I don't know what it is about him. I don't know what it is about her, but I just want it. I think I'll go to church and maybe I'll find it. That's our thought process. If somebody, you know, I, I can't remember. I remember reading this story one time. This guy, you know, he was wanting to witness and, and somebody comes up to him and says, man, I've just been looking at your life and it's kind of, uh, I don't know what it is, but there's just something about your life. And he was going, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He's finally going to ask me. And the guy goes on and says, man, you, you just, you're always nice. You're, you always say the right things. And he goes, oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm finally going to get to tell him about you. And, and he goes, man, you're, you're just a great guy. Man, I was really, I, I wish I could be like you. And then, he, and then he says this, are you a vegetarian? See, people can look at our life and they can say there's something different about us. They have no idea. So we got to tell them. Just said, I want you to stay here. He says to the man, you stay here and tell them your story. So that brings us, let me just share with you three, uh, three thoughts this morning because I want to be really practical. And first of all, I want to talk to you about the power of story. The reason Jesus says is tell them, uh, the story is because there's just, there's something about a story that people will listen to. I mean, words are powerful. In the, if you read the Proverbs and if you read Ecclesiastes, the writings of Solomon, you'll find out the, the, the words have the power to give life. Words have the power to bring healing. Words have the power to share grace. Uh, words will be heard when, it, when we're gracious and when we're quiet. And it just talks about the power of words. And what you and I need to understand is that there's something powerful about a story that goes beyond debating theology. Have you ever noticed Jesus only debated theology with church people? But with unchurched people, Jesus didn't, he didn't march with a sign that says, I'm against this, I'm against this, I'm against this. You know what he did? He told stories. He told stories because that, that people like stories. I mean, for years, you know, 60 minutes, I, 60 minutes is probably the longest running TV show in, in who knows when, you know, 
what do they do? They tell stories. 48 Hours is a mystery story. You know, my wife, sometimes she'll get to watching those things about some wacko thing that happened and they set all this up and they interview all these people and they, you know, they fix up this story and we'll sit there or people will sit there and we'll watch it for an hour and we'll get to the end. They don't even tell you what happened. But we'll listen because we like stories. People like stories. People don't like theology. I, we had a yard sale a couple years ago. Because here's the thing about, if, if you start debating doctrine and theology with people, you, what you're going to find is an argument. I mean, people say, well, I don't believe in that. We, we're, we're at the yard sale. And I, you know, preachers, we talk to people. And so I'm visiting with this lady a little bit. And she's like, well, you know, I go to this church. She said, now my church, my pastor is a King James Version 1611 only preacher. That's the only version. It's inspired word. And of course, being, you, you know, educated, I wanted to help her, you know, to understand that, you know, if King James Version was the only one, then what about all the people before the king translated it? And, you know, but it's kind of like bumping up against, I mean, it doesn't work. You can't argue people into your way of belief. People argue theology with you. Well, I don't believe this. I don't believe that. But you know what they can't argue? When we tell them our story, nobody's going to say, hey, man, that didn't really happen to you. They're not going to do that. Now, they'll say, I don't believe in God or I don't believe in Jesus. But they're not going to say that didn't happen to you because it's your story. And so there's the power of story. And so that's what we want to talk about. Now, uh, since there's power in story, which is point number one, let's go to the second slide. The number two, God has a story and we need to be able to tell it and tell it well. Stories are powerful. There's power in story. Number two, God has a story. You need to be able to tell it well. Imagine with me. Let's just decide that you, you just decide, hey, I'm going to Milagros for lunch today. I kind of want Mexican. And you show up down there and, and uh, you're kind of visiting. And, and all of a sudden there's somebody that you, you see a friend sitting over there. And, and after you meal, you sit down and begin to chat. And it's somebody, maybe you've been praying for them or you've been trying to encourage them. And you kind of know they're not, they're not really, they don't, they don't do the God thing. They don't do the church thing. They're just kind of out there. And, and so, you know, God's name's Pete. And you go over and say, hey, Pete, how you doing? And you can tell he's not really doing good. And, and Pete just says, hey, man, can I chat with you for a minute? And you sit down and he begins to tell you about, you know, things are struggling at home with my, with my wife or, or whatever. And he says, you know, I know you're into this God thing. And, uh, you know, I've never really done that. But, you know, things are pretty rough. Uh, so before we hang it up with our marriage. Hey man, can you just tell me how this God thing works? Now, if that were to happen to you, could you tell your friend how Jesus could change their life? Or would you start scrambling? Where's my Bible? What's the preacher's number? Who's my, can I get, why, why, somebody help me. See, I, I have this conviction. If you're going to follow Jesus, if you're a Christ follower, one day you're going to have an opportunity to tell your story. And more than that, one day you're going to have the responsibility to tell his story. And you need to be ready. And, I, you know, I shared this uh, some time back. 
Uh, it's kind of an old number, but they just the statistics kind of bear it out. And I, I know statistics are for losers, but sometimes they're just good. You know, uh, they make your point. But in the average church, the average church, 95% of the people have never shared with anybody or led anybody to faith in Jesus Christ. That's 19 out of 20. So, so my heart is to help you be ready to tell his story if the opportunity presents itself. Now, if you already have a way to tell the story, Mr. Wyatt, uh, he uses the uh, Evangel Cube. Is that right, Wyatt? The Evangel Cube, you know, the little picture thing. And if you, if, if you got that, that's pretty good. When I was growing up or when I first got into ministry, I learned the, uh, the Lifeway or the, it was a Sunday school board then. It had a little blue track. It's called Eternal Life. And there's a question on the front of this little book that says, do you know for certain that you have eternal life and you go to heaven when you die? And that's kind of my way. That's kind of how I tell the story. And, and uh, I still sometimes kind of do that. But if you don't have a, a way that you tell God's story, I want you to get out your pen or pencil and a piece of paper because I want you to write this down. And if you say, I don't have paper, write, just go to the front or back of your Bible. And I just want you to draw this little picture in there because you ought to have it. It's, it's really simple. If somebody says, hey, hey, how, do, um, how can I tell my story? It's called the bridge illustration. So let's just kind of uh, go ahead and skip two slides and get to the picture. Can you do that? Go ahead. All right, there we go. All right, so just imagine with me this little picture, if you will, on, on, the, uh, on the left. Oh, that's odd. Um, on the left of this slide, you know, that's kind of represents the earth. That's where we live. It's where people are. We're kind of down here. Then on the right is God. That's kind of represents heaven. God and Jesus are in heaven. We're down here on earth. You know, there's this great gulf between us and God. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Isaiah 59 too, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sin has hid his face from you so that he will not hear. So that he will not hear. And so there's this gulf, there's this chasm, if you will. There's this separation between people and between God. It's called sin. It's called sin. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. I can only remember twice in my life in talking to people about Jesus. I can only remember twice when people have said that they had not sinned. When I was in seminary, I talked to this guy. Uh, down by the river in Memphis. It was called the Mall of Memphis. It's just kind of a, we'd go down there and some guy would stand up on the corner and he'd preach for about a minute or two and then we'd kind of witness to people who were around. And so I started talking to this old guy and he was way out there. And he said, I've never sinned. And then one other time I talked to this little girl and she was about seven. And I said, sweetheart, have you ever sinned? And she says, no. But my brother has. <laughs> and so he, she knew, you know, kind of what to deal with. But other than that, everybody knows. We know we've sinned. People know they've sinned. And, and people know that because of our sin, you know, we're, we can't really get to God. And so what we do is we try these We try our stuff to get there. Some people try good works. They just think, well, if I just be good, then I'll get to heaven. You know, Romans 3.10 says there's none good, not even one. Now, we would like to say, 
well, he's a good person or she's a good person or there's a good. Remember the rich young ruler come to Jesus in Mark chapter 10. This guy, he's young, he's rich, he's wealthy. He comes to Jesus and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? First of all, Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's not none good but one. God's the only one good. And he says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Well, Jesus knew his heart. He said, well, keep all the commandments. You know the commandments. He said, well, I've done all that. And Jesus was like, really? You've kept all 10 of them? He didn't keep the one about lying because <laughs> he just lied to Jesus. But Jesus was pointing and he was pointing it out to him. He was pointing at his heart. And so Jesus said, okay, if you've kept all them, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor and come follow me. And the guy said, well, oh, oh, oh. hold up, because he was rich. He wasn't good. He thought he was, because he did everything he thought right. God can always point something out in our life says, you don't measure up here. And so we try, and so people, try, we try to be good. If I could just... Be good, I'll get there. But the Bible says there's none good, not even one. Other people, another way that we try to bridge that gap is, is we think, well, if I just go to church, I'll be, I'll kind of do the church thing. And I'll go to church when I can go to church and God will look at me and say, man, he goes to church. He can, surely we should let him into heaven. But there's a story that John tells in the third chapter of his gospel, the gospel of John, you, you've heard about this little guy. We learned about him. If you, if you grew up in vacation Bible school and Sunday school, uh, the guy's name is Nicodemus, or you may pronounce it Nicodemus. It doesn't matter. I think it's probably Nicodemus. But anyway, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. And you know why? Because he was a Pharisee, which means he was very, very, very religious. He kept the Sabbath. He went to church every time he was supposed to. He kept as many of the rules as he could keep. But he comes to Jesus and uh, he sneaks in at night so nobody would know. And he says, good teacher. Or he says to Jesus, hey, Jesus, what's, well, kind of tell me the deal. And Jesus looks at him, religious guy, church guy, Keep the rule guy, be a good guy. Church guy, be a good guy. Keep the rule guy. Jesus looks at him and says, hey, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. If going to church would get you to heaven, why did Jesus not say, hey, Nicodemus, keep doing what you're doing? If being a good boy or being a good girl would get you or me to heaven, why didn't Jesus say to that rich young ruler, oh, man, you're doing great. You're fine. It's all good. Because being good, going to church, won't bridge that gap. It just won't. And so we need to be able to share with people, you know, being good won't get you across. Going to church won't get you across. And so what God chose to do, since we couldn't get there, God chose to make a way. And so Jesus came and he died on the cross for our sin. And by dying on the cross, Jesus built a bridge for you and me to get from here to heaven. Look at this next verse, John chapter 5, verse 24. Check this out. I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. I tell you the truth. 
Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. Look at this statement. He has crossed from death to life. From death to life. How did he cross? By being good? No. By going to church? No. By believing the word, by hearing the word and believing what Jesus said. What did Jesus say? Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. God looked down and said, there's no way across. We can't jump that far. We can't get there. And God sent his only son, one and only son. He died on the cross to pay for your sins and my sins and the sins of the whole world to bridge the gap. And whoever believes in Jesus has crossed over from death to life. Now, here's here's the thing. Have you crossed over from death to life? Have you believed in Jesus Christ? Have you surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ? Because you ought to be good if you can. But it's not going to get you to heaven. You ought to be a part of the church because Jesus died for the church. But coming to church isn't going to get you to heaven. It's just not. Jesus said, you got to believe in me. And so my question this morning, have you, have you believed and trusted in Jesus Christ? Yes or no? Early service this morning, we baptized Bruce Roberts. I, I got permission to tell his story, by the way. Uh, Bruce and I sat down on Wednesday. When Bruce was a teenager, he was in Colorado, and, and some of his buddies were getting baptized. And they said, hey, Bruce, you ought to come get baptized. And he said, no, nah, nah, I don't really want to. And they said, oh, come on, man, you ought to get baptized with us. And so finally he says, okay, I'll get baptized. And so he gets baptized with them. And he kind of, you know, kind of went along, didn't join the church. And he kind of went, he said, Mike, I... You know, I, I kind of never really, I've never really connected with the church. And so we're sitting in my office and we're talking about this. And he says, you know, I just want to settle the issue. And so Bruce is 79 years old. And we get on our knees in my office and he says, I want Christ to come into my heart and to make sure that I know that I know that I'm born again, that I've crossed from death to life. And so this happened Wednesday. We baptized him this morning, 79. It's cool. Isn't that, isn't that a neat thing? That's awesome. Yeah. Give the Lord a hand. So, so here's the thing. For Bruce, it was about surrendering your heart to Jesus. That's what it's about. It's about opening your heart to Christ. And my question for you, have you opened your heart to Jesus? Have you been born again? Have you been born again? See, it's a simple way to to tell God's story. We're separated from God. We couldn't get across. Jesus died on the cross so we could go across. It's that simple. 
God has a story. We need to tell it well. Stories are powerful. We need to use them. Then number three, a third point. No, notice what Jesus said to him. Go back to Mark chapter 5. Look, verse again, verse 19. Jesus did not let him but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. God has a story. We need to be able to tell it well. You have a story. You need to learn to tell it well. You have a God. If Jesus lives in your heart, and I suspect if we took a survey, most of us would say, I've opened my heart to Christ. Jesus lives in my heart. I've crossed over from death to life. If that's true, you have a story. You need to be able to tell your story, and you need to be able to tell your story well. Because you know what? Sometimes the way to tell his story is to first tell our story. Because when we tell our story, people are going to resonate with that. And so here's, the thing, here's kind of the thing. If, if you've given your heart to Christ, then your life, you have a before. Here's how I came to Christ. Here's how I came to know Christ. And then you have an after. Here's how my life has been changed. Maybe before you were, you were empty and now you're fulfilled. Maybe before you felt guilty and shame and, and now you're free. Maybe before you were, you, you were just kind of desperate and despair and discouraged. Well, now you have hope. Maybe before you were killing yourself, you were taking stuff or drinking stuff or doing stuff that's just killing you. You come to Christ. Man, he set you free. Maybe you were afraid and you, you didn't want to die. You were scared to die. I've had people say, well, you know, the only reason, you know, somebody gets saved is because they were afraid to die and go to hell. That's a pretty good reason to get saved. One out of one people die. Now, I'm an Aggie, but the odds are pretty good here. But if you're afraid to die, when you give your life to matter of fact, turn over to, to Hebrews. I'll see if I can find that verse. Hebrews chapter 2. This might be fun trying to hunt it out. I think it's verse 15. Hebrews 2, verse 15. Well, let's start in verse 14. Since the, children, uh, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. L- l- friend, listen, if you're afraid to die, you better get saved. You're going to die. I'm going to die. Unless Jesus tarries. I mean, I'd rather fly than die. But if, if I don't fly, then I'm going to die. And so, so are you. So you need, listen, you need a before and after. If you've given your life to Christ, here's how your life was. Here's how Jesus came into your life. Here's how it's different. Pastor, My life's not any different. You don't have a story. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. The old has passed away. New things are coming. If there's nothing different about your life, you're probably not born again. Or there's no probably to it. But you need to be able to tell your story if indeed you have a story. And so, so uh, go ahead and flip it up. Your story, what my life was like before I came to know Jesus Christ. You need to write these down. Did y'all know that it's spring break? 
Anybody, everybody go, this is not rhetorical. Do y'all know it's spring break? That means you can raise your hand. Answer me. No homework, right? I'm giving you homework. You don't have anything else to do this week. Students, you have nothing else to do. Don't say, well, I got, you can't tell me next week I was too busy. Here's your homework. I want you to write your story this week. I want you to write your story one page or less. Here's what my life was like before Jesus came into my heart. Here's how Jesus came into my heart. Here's how my life's different. You've heard this. Let me just tell you. Let me give you the Cliff Notes version of my story. I was a 10-year-old boy, and uh, I went to church pretty much all my life. Uh, We had a back-to-school trip. Summer of 1972, we went to a place called Six Gun Territory. I rode the rides, watched the Six Gun shoot 'em up shows, and I get back to the bus a few minutes early. My pastor sees me over there. He sits down with me on a park bench, and he starts to talk to me about Jesus. I'd been in Sunday school. I kind of knew the stories. I don't even remember what he said, but that afternoon I realized two things. Number one, I was a sinner, and because of my sin, I was separated from God. And God loved me enough for Jesus to die on the cross. That Jesus died on the cross according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised again the third day according to the scriptures. And then after that he appeared to many. And then he ascended to heaven. I realized I was a sinner. God loved me enough to send Jesus to die for my sins. So that afternoon sitting on the park bench, I invited Christ to come live in my heart. And to be my Lord and Savior. Jesus hadn't made me perfect, but what he has done for me is he's given me meaning. He's given me purpose for my life. And when I make a mistake, he's there to forgive me and give me a new start. That's the Cliff Notes version of my story. If you've given your life to Christ, you have a story. And so what we want you to do, Kyle doesn't know this yet, but I'm fixing to give you his email address. Uh, Dan and Watt already know this. We, we want you to write your story this week, and we want you to email it to us. And we'll read over it, and we'll, you know, if there's a way we can help you share your story in a succinct way or maybe help you be more clear, we want to be able to do that. Because here's the thing. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've crossed over from death to life, The time is going to come where you need to be able to tell your story. Somebody's life will be dependent on it. Somebody's eternity will be dependent on it. It might be your kid. It might be your parent. It might be your friend. It might be somebody that doesn't even know. But you need to be able to tell your story. If you have one, you need to be able to tell it. Now, some of you are already in your mind thinking, you know what? That's a good preacher. I'm probably not going to do that. And that's okay. But you just need to know this. You need to know this. Somebody is going to be dependent on you to tell them the story. You need to be ready. And so I hope you'll take a little time this week and you'll sit down and you'll think about, here's what my life was like. Here's when I gave my life to Jesus. Here's how my life's changed. It's not hard.
One page or less. You need to be able to share it in a minute. But we want you to write your story. We want you to send it to us by email. If you don't email, bring it by the office. I did this a couple years ago in my church. This lady's 90. She's like 89 years old. And she comes by, you know, and I'm, you know, you're kind of thinking you'll get some emails. She comes by and says, here's my story. I, I got it. it. I got it in my file. I preached her funeral. And I stood up in front of her family and her friends said, this is a great day. Here's Bertha Lean's story. She came to know Jesus. She's crossed over from death to life. We can celebrate. I mean, how awesome, how awesome would it be to know that when, that, hey, your story's written. And when somebody stands and does your service one day, they can say to your family, your friends, hey, I, I got Mike's story. I, it's, it's here. But how much more valuable to be when you bump into somebody and the opportunity presents itself for you to walk across the room or walk across the yard or walk across the office or go through the neighborhood and somebody's broken and hurting and they need somebody to speak into life. How awesome would it be for you to be able to tell them your story? Because heaven or hell for them depends on it. And so I, you know, I, I hope you'll write your story. I hope you'll write your story and you'll send it to us because we want to know and we want to help you be ready when your time comes. Now, in a group this size, in a group this size, there's some people who've never crossed over from death to life. Go ahead to the next slide. You're still on the people side. You've tried to be good or, or not. You've tried to go to church or not, but you are still separated from God. You know it, and God knows it. Today is the day when you can give your heart to Christ. And just like Bruce, 79-year-old Bruce who got baptized today, you, you can know that you've crossed over from death to life. Jesus said, next slide, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. If you've never surrendered your heart to Christ, if you don't have a story, would you give your life to him today? Would you open your heart to Jesus Christ today? You've got today. After that, I don't know. I was driving in, uh, me and a couple of the guys are uh, uh, in, in our discipling group. We met Friday morning. And I'm, and I'm driving in. It's about 545. I didn't know there was an earthquake until Friday. To, you know, and they come on and they're talking about this earthquake in Japan. And, and uh, you know, there's a warning out. At that time, they were warning Hawaii. They didn't know what was going to happen. But they were talking about how, man, there was, there was this... This passenger ship, and then they talked about this passenger train over there, and this tsunami hit, and it just went away. And they just went away. I mean, they got, you know, I guess it was Friday in Japan. I don't know. That's a weird thing over there with the timeline. But can you imagine 
They woke up in the morning and they got on the train to go to work. And they washed out into eternity. Just like that. They're here and they're gone. And it could happen to you and it could happen to me. Just that quick. And so why under heaven would you not want to cross over from death to life? I mean, if you're not sure, now why wouldn't you want to do that today? Today. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. I, I, I know some of you, you're, you're wrestling with this idea. And you know, you know. You've not crossed over. Would you give your heart to Jesus today? I mean, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, Master, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Would you invite him to come into your heart today? You can say this a prayer like this to him. You can, you can say to him, Lord Jesus, I've sinned. I've fallen short. I know you died for my sin. So I turn from my sin today. I open my heart to you. Come live in my heart. And give me a brand new start. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life. Friend, the Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. Why would you not? Why would you not be saved? If you're already born again, can you tell your story? Can you tell it well? Can you tell his story? Can you tell his story? And if not, I hope you'll commit yourself today to share the story that everybody needs to know. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you'd speak into our hearts. That you be honored and glorified in all that we do. And Lord, I just pray that you'd be praised by the decisions that are going to be made today. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, let, let me just say this. We're going to, Dan's going to play. We're going to have a, we call it an altar call. If you want to come and while it'll be here, I'll be here. We take God's word and show you how to be saved. Maybe you need to come and pray. God to help you tell your story. Maybe there's somebody you need to tell it to. Maybe you want to come and join our church. I don't know what God's saying to you, but I know this. This is a great day to say yes to Jesus. And so I hope you'll do that. And if you're not prepared, you say, Mike, I, I want to give my life to Jesus, or, or, or Mike, I've got questions. I'm not real sure where I'm at. I, but you're not ready to, to make it public. Why not take that little information card? Jot down your name and your number, and there's a place for you to check on the back or write a prayer request. And just drop me a note. Say, I want to talk to you. I'm not sure about my story. 
We'd love to sit down with you and talk about that. Y'all, life's too short to not be ready.